Hi, welcome to Vermilion High School Historical Society. Um, this is a podcast created by me, Tyler DeVelder. Me, Andrew Kronisel. And me, Mason Schroeder. Um, and basically in this podcast we're going to discuss certain um, historical like points in Vermilion's history. Um, for example, this episode will be about floods. Later, we'll also be having episodes about the University of South Dakota and the National Music Museum. Um, and we just kind of wanted to tell people about the history of Vermilion because it's a really cool city. Um, there's a lot of really cool historical things about it with the river and the university that make it um, a lot more unique than other towns its size and just all of South Dakota in general. Okay, so to start this off, we're going to talk about flooding of the Missouri River um, and mainly how it affected Vermilion, a little bit about the other areas along the river. Um, you know, the biggest flood of the Missouri River was the flood of 1881. Um, they actually called it the Great Flood of 1881 because it was just huge. Um, and what happened was... So what happened with this flood is um, the winter, just it started snowing super early. It started snowing in October that winter. And, you know, now if you think of it, like, we don't get snow until late December. Um, Sometimes November, early December. Yeah, but uh, really here, snow accumulation doesn't start until a lot later than that. So they had snow in October, and over the summer ended up with about 11 feet of snow. So, a lot. <laughs> That's a lot, yeah. a lot more than we get most years nowadays. Yes, um, which, you know, that's already causing a problem. But in the spring, um, they just got hit with high temps right away in the spring with all of that snow, and it just melted all of it across the whole Missouri River. So there's all this water just coming down the river at the same time, along with these giant chunks of ice from it all melting so fast, this ice didn't have time to melt. So the river's flooding, there's chunks of ice flying through it too, um, which actually caused a thing called an ice gorge, which is basically where the river gets blocked by these chunks of ice. So there was an ice gorge. So it's almost like, almost like a dam, so it yes, just backs up the dam water. dam made out of this ice. There was an ice gorge upstream of the river, um, upstream past Yankton a ways, where um, some accounts said the river like rose four feet in like this very short amount of time from this ice gorge because it blocked all the water. And the river actually um, lowered below stream of that because there was no water flowing. Well, once this broke, it just swept out everything. A whole island by Yankton called Green Island just disappeared. It's gone now. Um, and then in Vermilion, as you may know, this is kind of common knowledge that the um, town used to be below the bluff. And then, of course, this flood came by and moved it above the bluff. But there's a lot to that story that people don't know. Like, for example, what do you guys know about that? Before um, I told you any of this, because I did tell you some stuff, but what did you know about this story? What I knew about the flood was just, like you said, that Vermilion was below the bluff, and I knew a bit about 
the heavy snow, but not necessarily about the quick change in temperature or anything like that. But basically what I knew is there was snow in the mountains, it melted, and then Vermilion flooded. That's the extent of my knowledge. And then we moved up for the majority of the town moved above the bluff. Um, I really didn't know much. I knew majority of the town was below the bluff. We had a little bit above the bluff at the time, but nothing much. Um, I kind of just figured it was normal flood conditions, a lot of rain almost, not necessarily snow melting by a sudden heat or anything like that. Um, yeah, so that flood that caused the town to move above the bluff was the Great Flood of 1881. So... When this ice gorge broke and sent all this water coming right towards Yankton and Vermilion and everywhere else along that way, when the water finally reached Vermilion, um, it swept through the whole town, destroying 60 buildings is about what the estimate is, um, which now if you think about the size of Vermilion, that's still a lot of buildings. But back in 1881, that had to be like the majority of the town. So this town is just destroyed and not just from the water from these hunks of ice literally slamming into houses and destroying everything um you know that story of the river destroying vermilion below the bluff and causing to move above the bluff you know everybody knows a little bit about the story but what nobody mentions about this is the river itself um, if you look at a map right now, you might be a little confused as to how the Missouri River came and swept through Vermilion, because it's quite a ways away from Vermilion. At the time of this flood, it actually um, curved north. There was a little bend in the river that brought it up to the edge of the bluff. Vermilion was actually on like, the bank of the Missouri River. Um, well, this flood was just so huge that... As, long, as well as destroying Vermilion, it paved a new path. It cut out that whole north bend of the river and um, moved quite a few miles south to where it is now. Now, while we were um, working on research for this podcast, we went to Mulberry Point, which is a uh, sort of a lookout of the river right on the border of Nebraska. Um, it's really cool. There's some trails and stuff. Um, but we found this wayside exhibit there, talking about the Great Flood of 1881. Um, but after reading it, I kind of thought some of the parts about it were maybe said a little wrong. Um, I'm just going to read part of this right here. Um, so it starts with the Vermilion Flood, and then it says, The town of Vermilion originally was located on the bottomlands just across the river. Today, with good reason, the city sits high on the bluff, where building tops and the University of South Dakota's dome rise above the trees. Um, in this wayside exhibit, it sort of implies that Vermilion moved like quite a few miles north to get on top of the bluff. Um, it doesn't say anything about the river changing directions. I don't quite know why that is, uh, but I just think this was kind of a fun thing to see that um, this is just such a small part of history that's almost like forgotten. That's about it for the flood of 1881. It caused damage worse than the damage in Vermilion across many other places on the Missouri River, um, which I won't mention because we're, of course, 
going to run out of time if I go into all of that. What was the impact of the flood of 1881 like on the community i mean obviously it changed where vermilion was located was located yes but what were some impacts it had on the community or on like the culture of our town like well i either emotionally or just on how we as a society lived yes so uh luckily most of the people in vermilion were able to evacuate in time they knew about this ice gorge they knew about this flood um so you know, for as devastating this as this was, there were not many lives lost in Vermilion, especially. Um, but thinking about that destruction, like stores, um, houses, all of this destroyed, families lost everything, and they had to move above this bluff and just start over. Um, and it's, you know, when you look at Vermilion today, it's amazing to think that these people had everything taken away from them and somehow managed to come right back and just rebuild everything. And to my knowledge, because we've all kind of been researching our topics and finding out about them all at the same time. So I know when Mason researched his topic, because he's talking about USD, it mentions about how the flood impacted where USD was located because uh, USD was created right after the flood. So it was on yeah mason do you want to just mention this yeah, briefly i can mention this briefly and i'll talk about it more in the other podcast a little bit as well but even though usd was actually like sanctioned officially before the flood it didn't open up until after and it ended up instead of, because of lack of funding and so it was a very good thing that there was actually no funding for it because otherwise it probably would have been built and a lo- never below continued. the bu- right below the bluff where a flood happened and that would have really sucked to have all this hard work this the first university of the state just wiped out by one flood so that's the impact the flood of 1881 had and there's many other floods that have happened between then because that's a long time um some other pretty major floods happened in 1903 1943 1952 1993 and 2011 uh the 2011 flood is the only flood that we have been alive for and i actually um i would have been 11 at the time and i remember um a lot of the stuff about this flood i remember going to see the dam actually in yankton because they had opened it to try to get rid of some of the water and we just went to the dam just to watch this water shooting out like a fire hose yeah i i I was also alive in here during this time. I know Mason was not in <laughs> South Dakota at this time, so I'm not, he, he has no idea what happened. I would attest much to it. I was definitely alive, though. Yeah, he was alive, just didn't really experience it. But as Tyler was saying, I also went to the dam up in Yankton, and usually I think they had, what, like one or th- one to three of their like gates open, yeah. letting out water. But during the flood, they had all of them open, and it was just insane to see how many hundreds probably thousands of gallons of water was just, just constantly out. flowing out yeah and it was to the point where the like parking lot that we were standing in was just being sprayed with water from it splashing on the rocks next to us yeah. so how far away from the dam do you guys think you were it's pretty close it's like, like so there's the lake and then there's like a hill going 
up, there's a bit of a hill going up to the top of the dam and then the road on top of the dam. And then the hill goes down below the height of the lake. And basically, the parking lot is as close to the dam as it can get besides, like... Being on the dam itself? Yeah, besides being on the hill, like, it basically goes from the dam to the hill to the parking lot. So it's pretty, pretty close. Yeah, so it was pretty close. Another thing I remember about this flood was um, Sioux City and, like, the damage it caused on Sioux City. Uh, We would, you know, always go to Sioux City for shopping and that sort of thing. And driving on the road right next to the uh, river, we just would look across the bank and just, it was all destroyed. There were uh, soccer fields right along the river, and there were a ton of these soccer fields, and they were all just covered in water. I know during that time, I also went to Sioux City, and a a few of the things I remember seeing is there's... On your, like, kind of not necessarily in the heart of Sioux City, but kind of when you're going into Iowa from South Dakota, on the other side of the river, there's this little, not necessarily sure what it's used for, but it's this little, like, one-story building kind of up on a hill on the other bank of the river. And I remember driving through Sioux City, and that building was almost completely underwater, submerged under the water. Other things I remember seeing is when you drive on that, when you're like driving in on the interstate, going through the heart of Sioux City, it's, it was amazing how, not amazing, it was horrifying how close the water was getting to the interstate. Like, I, I remember going through there one time and it being, it's flood, it flooded the overpasses, like the space beneath the overpasses. Uh, right under the interstate and it was getting absurdly close to the interstate and i also remember like looking on like the side streets right beneath the interstates on like the left hand side assuming you're coming down from vermilion through city and there would just be cars just floating because the the water just came not necessarily even quick it it did come quickly but just so it was so unexpected that people were caught off guard um, yeah, and the flood in 2011 actually happened because of the same reasons as the flood of 1881. Um, there was a lot of snowfall, and it all melted really quick, way up in the mountains, um, way upstream of here. So it all melted pretty quick, and it all started coming down the river. Um, the only, I guess, one of the reasons that stopped it from being such a disaster as the flood of 1881 was these dams that we had. Um, you know, we had all these dams in place to stop this exact thing. Um, I think another, I could be wrong because you're much more expert. Yeah, you're (laughs) more well-versed in the subject, but I feel like also the, because when you see pictures of the Great Flood, there's just chunks of ice. So I think the lack of an ice gorge definitely decreased the amount of damage you know i wasn't alive in 1881 so i didn't see this flood but when you look at the pictures there's definitely a lot of ice um in there compared to this there's a lot less ice in 2011 that destroyed a lot of the buildings so yeah Um, just the water yes but so this was actually the biggest flood um in history since this system of dams has been made um 
But these dams are really what protected a lot of areas from just being swept away by all of this water. Of course, even with all of these dams in place to try to stop the water, there was still damages, as we discussed earlier, um, especially in Sioux City, which is what we saw. Um, I also remember after this flood, again, going back to Sioux City and seeing those same soccer fields that, you know, had been covered in water, um, now covered in dirt and sand and just mud. They were completely destroyed, this whole area. Um, and, you know, th that was a small flood compared to 1881. So if you just imagine that area and think of the damage that had to have been done to not even just the cities, the landscape along the river in 1881, um, it just basically wiped out the whole area around the river, just covered it in mud. One thing I find very interesting, and this isn't... I, I don't know this for sure, so this could just be rumors, but what I remember people talking about during the flood of 2011 is how Native Americans told settlers that settled at, like, in the Dakota Dunes how foolish that was. And maybe they didn't tell them, but they realized how foolish it was to settle in the Dakota Dunes because how because of how often this river flooded. And in 2011, they they got a awakening to the power of the river. Yeah, and, you know, in South Dakota, we get some pretty bad winters with a lot of snow. Of course, you need to know that this river is going to flood when all of that snow melts. Um, um, now that we've talked about the history of the floods on this river, um, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of the science behind these because I love science. Um, I found this really interesting article discussing the four types of floods that can happen in South Dakota, including flash flood, long rain flood, melting snow flood, and failure of dams. Um, the first one, a flash flood, everybody's heard of those basically just happens when you get a lot of rain in a short amount of time they're really nothing serious um for us it just means like you know you want to stay off the roads you don't want your car to hydroplane or anything um you know maybe you lose like a few small objects in the stream why am i saying this generally flash floods are nothing serious they could end up leading to something more serious, such as a long rain flood. Um, but generally, these flash floods just happen from a large rainstorm. Um, then, go so ahead. you mentioned a long rain flood. Um, what is that? And also, do you know, you mentioned there's the floods of 1903, 1943, 1952, and 1959. Do you know if those were flash floods? Because I know the other two floods, 1888 and 2011, were caused by a lot of snow, so that's not necessarily a flash flood, uh, that's something else. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Um, I know for a fact that they were either caused by um, melting snow or a long rain, long rain flood, um, which these long rain floods would have probably started with a flash flood um, and then led into that. Um, but so generally what a long rain flood is, is it's you know exactly what it sounds like 
it's just when you have a lot of rain because what happens then is this rain comes down and at first it soaks into the ground and the ground just absorbs all of that water and everything's fine but if it keeps raining past the point where that soil can't absorb water anymore then the water has nowhere to go it starts to pool up on the ground and that's where you just get you know like a lake in the middle of a field Long rain floods are actually the most common type of major floods that happen in South Dakota. Um, the other sort of major flood would be melting snow. Um, to me, this sounds a lot more serious, a lot more dangerous than a long rain flood, um, probably because of everything I've read about the flood of 1881, which was due to melting snow. Well, and what you experienced with the flood of 2011... Yes. Um, and of course, this is again, it sounds exactly like what it is. It's when upstream, all of this snow just melts and there's nowhere else for it to go besides down the river. But of course, the river can only hold so much. So it starts to get wider and it starts to take things with it. Um, the last sort of flood is failure of dams. These would probably be super devastating. Luckily, we haven't had to deal with anything serious around here in South Dakota with these failure of dams. Um, these dams all along the Missouri and especially in South Dakota are all very safe. Um, they've never really had any problems with breaking. But if this dam were to break, especially the one, you know, I don't know about the other dams. I haven't seen them, but the one in Yankton. It's a huge dam, and directly under it, there's campgrounds, there's cabins, and everything. If that dam were to break, the whole lake would just come down at once and wipe out a huge part of Yankton, come all the way down to Vermilion, do damage all around Vermilion. Um, and, you know, of course, this has not happened yet. Hopefully it never will. Um... There are many other smaller dams in other um, rivers in South Dakota that are maybe a little less safe, but then again, they hold a lot less water. If they were to break, it would maybe just destroy some farmland. So, even though it's not very likely to happen, say the Yankton Dam was to fail, do you think it would be more or less devastating than the flood of 1888, just based on what you've I think, um, especially on Vermilion, simply just due to the fact that the river has changed paths and it's not directly next to Vermilion, I don't think it would cause much damage to Vermilion. I think Yankton would have a lot of damage, especially in their campground area and um, all the cabins they have down there. Um, that would definitely all be destroyed in this. But as far as Vermilion goes, I think um, it would definitely not be as bad as the flood of 1881 um yeah that was my bad before i said 1888 <laughs> oh. meant 1881 my bad oh, okay that's all for this episode uh be sure to listen to our second episode which will be led by mason schroeder and it will be about the history of usd um again i was your host tyler develder along with Andrew Kronizel and Mason Schroeder. Thank you for listening to VHSHS.